really quiet awfully quick, and it's not quite 11 o'clock yet, but we like to start on time. Uh, so, just to fill this little gap of space that we have, now would be a really good time to turn to silence your uh, listening devices. Or anything that makes noise. Or anything that makes noise. Yeah, it'd be a great time to turn it off. Isn't it great to be in God's house this morning? You know, I think what we should do, we're going to kick it off with a, a song that is in your bulletin called Pay to Death. It's a great chorus that we just love singing here at Butte Creek Baptist Church. And I think what we should do is uh, just all stand our feet and on the count of three, we're going to give out a hearty Happy New Year. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Happy New Year! Stand to your feet if you're able. Look in your bulletin and you'll see the chorus. He paid it.
want to. And so, Father in heaven, we come before you humbly, just asking you to be blessed today by what you see and what you hear. Lord, we're always asking you for blessings, but Father, we want you to be blessed today. Lord, last day of 2023, we know you don't have a calendar or a watch, but Father, we just pray that um, you'll cause this last day to be a, a wonderful day to praise you and that the new year will bring uh, many praises to you. And Father, we just give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. How's everybody doing? Yeah. How many of you made New Year's resolutions already? Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Not one person raised their hand. That's, that's sad. It's wasted. Total waste. Oh, just stop. Just stop. Hey, um, the Woman's Bible Study is going to start again. Right on January 6th, and um, that'll be a Saturday, and they start at 10 o'clock, I believe, in the fellowship room, so I'd like to invite you to that. The men's Bible study is led by Pastor BK, and that's at 10 o'clock every Tuesday morning, and he's in the Book of Romans. Yes, sir. Yeah, and there'll be, there's always good music and good fellowship with that, so uh, yeah, we'd like to invite you to that. Um, we're going to have Bible study this Wednesday night. Okay, and so um, it says here that our brother Bill Gallagher is going to bring an Italian theme. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, I don't know, maybe we're going to have pasta or something. I don't know. Uh, uh, so, uh, prayer requests, you can contact Lo Downey. Her number's in there. And then we want to thank Heaven Sent for those beautiful flowers. They're, they're just gorgeous. And... Um, Hey, listen, if you didn't collect your cards, your Christmas cards, um, finish her up and collect them, and, and then uh, we want to uh, thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for the Christmas cards you sent to me. I, again, I don't send out Christmas cards because I know I would miss somebody, and then I would hear it down the road. So, uh, anyway, Merry Christmas a few days later. Okay. Um, let's see, what else have we got here? If you want to... We're gonna. We've ordered a portable baptistry. So if you guys wanna, anybody wants to contribute to that, um, just let us know. We'd uh, we'd love to have that. So unless there's anything else, we will continue on. Yeah. If you want to be a part of that portable baptistry, just earmark your check or your envelope that is uh, specifically for the portable baptistry, and uh, we'll make sure that that gets supplied to the right uh, area. And uh, is. Is it, if you made a New Year's resolution but you already broke it, does that count? No. <laughs> Shucks. You still got about 12 hours, John. Okay, I'll have to start over. But one thing I do know is that there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. And we can all say that because of the love of Jesus Christ. And we've almost made it through 2023, going to 2024. So let's look in your hymnal, 521. One of my favorites, 521. And uh, we'll just sing this one out. A new name in glory. You're welcome to stand to your feet if you're able. And uh, we're just going to lift this up to the Lord. Amen. 
want to, take a little rest. This is going to be a quick one, though. Power in the blood.
supreme and sovereign God of the universe. We have as our brother, and we say that very respectfully, Lord, the Savior of all mankind, Jesus Christ, the soon coming King, King of kings and Lord of lords, our high priest. Father, we just thank you for your love, for your grace, your mercy, for your righteousness and justice, your holiness and purity, your sense of fairness and judgment. We thank you for your power, your love, your grace. We thank you for everything, Lord. We could say thank you every minute of every day and it wouldn't be enough. We just want you to be glorified today. We want to worship you in spirit and truth. We pray that you will bless the rest of the service, Lord, and that you will be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.
guess that's one way to break the ice. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Oh, awesome. Yes, sir. I would have given the four dollars and thirty cents, but they didn't have change for a five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you can grab the shirt. Find this kind of love. Hey, we're really blessed today. We were talking to Bill Gallagher. A while back, you know, Bill comes and leads on Wednesdays and sometimes uh, speaks on Sundays. And he said, hey, he says, you know, you've got to meet a good friend of mine. And uh, I said, okay. And so uh, met uh, Chris and Christine White, who are sitting right here, okay. And we want to welcome them and their family to church. Uh, yeah, amen. And if there's anyone in that group that did not get a hug, we'll assign somebody to come and hug you, okay? So, uh, Chris and his wife served in this area as a pastor for many years, and uh, then moved to the Corvallis area and the pastor church up there. And uh, so, he came down to visit with his relatives, now Johnny would say his kinfolk. Okay? Kinfolk, all right? And so we invited him to come and speak to you today. All right. So if you don't like it, well, that's just too bad. <laughs> so come on. Can you welcome him? Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Why don't we, uh, before we jump into the word this morning, uh, why don't we just have a quick word of prayer together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day, and I think about uh, the fact that, yes, you do not have the same calendar we do, and yet we stand at the end of one year and the beginning of the next, and that's always a good time to, uh, to pause and to think about who you are in our lives, uh, what you say about our lives, and about what you say about yourself. And so I pray today that you would turn our hearts and our minds to you, that you would be the prime and most important feature of our lives, not only at the end of this year, but next year and the years ahead. Amen. We're thankful, God, for your word and pray that you would bless it to us by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, like Pastor Steve said, my name is Chris White, uh, and it is really a great privilege to be here with you today. Uh, my wife and I uh, raised our family in Eagle Point uh, and lived here for, gosh, um, 40 years, I think, before moving away. But it's good to be back. We come back frequently, actually, because we have family and, and friends in the area. And, kinfolk. Uh, kinfolk, yeah. yeah we, have, we have kinfolk here. Our, our kin is here. And uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great, great town, and good, good to be here again with you guys and sharing God's word. So my text this morning is going to be Psalm 46. So if you do have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn there uh, as we go through that this morning, and we're going to look at a psalm that is what we call probably an instructional psalm. And I don't know. If if you're aware of this, but the Book of Psalms is actually a collection of five hymn books that the nation of Israel used. And it was a, a, a series of books that are arranged according to the purpose and usefulness of the songs. And so they had uh, songs that were for 
regular worship. They had psalms that were actually sung for instructional purposes. They had psalms that were written for national mourning, uh, events that were bringing about sadness, a loss of war, or where are you, God, our crops have failed. We, we call those lament psalms, and that's, that's what they're known as. And then we have these songs that are for national celebration. And so they'd be sung during certain seasons of the year. Much like we have Christmas music, right? We don't dig the Christmas music out at 4th of July. Uh, there's a certain season for it, and, and so they, they had songs along that way. So as we look at this psalm, I want to just have us have it clear in our mind that it is a song, and the words that we're reading are lyrics. And there are differences between the Hebrew songwriting conventions and our songwriting conventions. You know, we have a really good song. What is it that we love about it? Well, first of all, the words flow, don't they? There's a, a rhyme and there's a rhythm to them. And oftentimes, oftentimes even a song doesn't really even do much for you as far as the message isn't all that great. But it just is clever, the way words are put together. And was that a rhyme? <laughs> I see, I can't even help myself. Um, anyway, it, we look at that. I'm sorry, I broke the whole flow here, didn't I? I self-aggrandized him. That's going to be one of my New Year's resolutions. Okay. So anyway, that's how we write songs. And, and we either paint a picture, uh, we either paint a picture, tell a story, but a lot of times it's heavy on flow of words and rhyming of words, where Hebrew poetry and Hebrew songwriting is more painting a palette of ideas. And so their, their songs are a little bit like a Japanese haiku, if, if you will, where it's just a whole different way of, of presenting things. But it's, it's ideas and thoughts that either back one another up, build on one another, or sometimes contrast with one another. And we see that time and time again in the Psalms. So this particular Psalm, like I said, is an instructional praise song. And we're gonna read it to the whole thing together here. But I want you to look at the three things that I believe really come out very strongly in this passage. And that is looking at God, first of all. That God is front and center in this. But that God is, first of all, our shelter and our strength. That's point number one. Going to have three points here, guys. Guess, you know, guess how many points a sermon always has, right? Three points. There's going to be three points here. There's three verses here. God is our shelter and our strength. Then God is our sustainer and our stability. And then thirdly, that God is our Savior and God is our Sabbath rest. So let's read through this together. And then we'll come back and, and uh, kind of look at the the individual verses and see how they present the message for us today. What's the number again? Psalm 46. Yes. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble, at its swelling. Verse, second verse of the song. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. 
God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 3 of the song. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear, and he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen? Amen. So first of all, in verses 1 through 3, we have really a picture of God being our shelter and our strength. And what you have pictured here, he says, you know, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. What we see here is really kind of almost a full volcanic seismic menu presented to us here. You're seeing landslides, you're seeing earthquakes, you're seeing uh, the, the, the seas being stirred up. It's a, it's, a, it's a big seismic menu here. Everything is, is being shaken up here, and it says God is our refuge and our strength, a help in time of trouble. You know, I was surprised. You don't really think, of course, here in Oregon, especially down this part of the state, we don't have a lot of earthquakes, and so we don't think of this as earthquake territory. But I was doing a little research on this in just preparation for the sermon. Did you know that, uh, this is according to the Smithsonian Institute, which I think is a fairly reliable source, that on average, this last year, okay, 2023, on average, there were 20 volcanic eruptions around the world every single day. That is actually something extremely normal. We don't experience it that often here. But apparently, it's something that you in certain parts of the world, it's, it's a very regular occurrence. But you know, just because something's normal doesn't mean it's not terrifying. As a matter of fact, it can be uh, very terrifying the more uncontrollable the situation is. And I, I can't think of anything that is more traumatizing than when the ground underneath you isn't holding you up. I mean, if you can't count on the ground that you're standing on to hold you up, what can you count on? And you know, there's entire populations of people when they have these 6.5 uh, earthquakes or even higher now, that they actually have to bring in trauma therapy because a large part of the population is literally in PTSD and trauma going through that. Let me ask you a question, though. Let's, let's bring this home in our own lives, and that is, what is stable and solid and certain in your own life? You know, most of us feel a degree of stability. We can't usually live our entire lives in an emergency or earthquake zone. But we do know that things can change pretty fast, can't they? Things can and do change, even though we do have a stability in our life. A sudden, unexpected death in our family, or loss of a job, or we go to the doctor and the doctor has a frown on his face when he sits down to talk about the results with us. We have all sorts of things that happen to us, don't they? We live in a world that is blessed, and we definitely should count our blessings, but we live in a world that is blessed and at the same time has fallen. 
And so that's going to be the experience of stability and trauma, okay? The world shakes up, and that's going to be the experience of the redeemed and the unredeemed alike until the Lord Jesus comes back and, and heals this earth. What this psalm points us to, though, is this. The real answer when I say, when I say what is stable in your life, okay? The answer to that question is not what is stable, but who is stable? God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help. And uh, others render this a well-proven help in time of trouble. And let me ask you something. What should you do when you're in the middle of a really bad storm and things are shook up? You should flee to the shelter. That's, that's not a crazy idea. That's not whipping out. It's the smart thing to do, the prudent thing to do, is to run to the shelter. God says, I am that shelter in your life. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. Not because things aren't disheartening, they're falling down in front of us. But we will not fear because we know that God is in control of things. God is our shelter. He's our strength, and he relativizes all of our grief and grievous things in our lives in such a way that things may not be okay, but we are okay. It's like what the Apostle Paul wrote when he was writing from a prison cell in Rome. He says, I have the peace that surpasses all understanding. And so I think we need to understand this to mean that as God's people, we're not sheltered from all hard things, but we are sheltered in all hard things in our life. So, next verse, God is our sustainer and our stability, verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved, and God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This thought is really building and elaborating on the first thought. And you know, natural disasters are certainly one threat. But also God's people live in a world where human chaos and evil are also a constant threat. Back in, on basically this day, in 1947, a group of atomic scientists gathered together and they wanted to illustrate the threat that the world was under because of nuclear war and the potential for nuclear annihilation. And so they came up with this great thing called the Doomsday Clock. <clears throat> now there's not a real clock somewhere, excuse me, <clears throat> there's not a real clock somewhere, but rather it is, it's an illustration. It points to where we stand in the world. And when they started that clock in 1947, they set it to seven minutes to midnight. Midnight being the hour that all the fireworks go off, right? The nuclear fireworks. So in our lifetime, believe it or not, we've had it at seven till, but then it actually got set back the furthest it's ever been set back in the entire history, and that was in 1991. Do 
you remember what happened in 1991? You had the Berlin Wall fall, you had uh, the opening of the Soviet Union, you had a lot of tensions that went away, and they set the doomsday clock to 17 minutes before midnight. Now, in our lifetime, it's also been the closest it's ever been. Do you know when that was? That was this year. And now the doomsday clock is set to 90 seconds before midnight. And let's just hope that when the, you know, when they set the countdown at Times Square this, this tonight, that they don't hit the wrong button and turn on the doomsday clock, okay? Because that could be, that could be a super big downer for our New Year's Eve. We live in a real constant threat, obviously. These are the overt threats. But you know, aside from the very reasonable concerns that probably all of us should have about the state of the world today, there's also another more insidious attack on the people of God that happens to us day by day. It's so enlightened, it's so civilized, that it's even hard to think about it even being a threat. But it's right there, it's the constant message that we get from our culture, from our government, from the ambient atmosphere that we have all around us. And that is this, that if we just have enough freedom, if we just have enough prosperity, if we just have enough scientific advance, if we have enough self-realization, if we have faster internet and better gadgets, that we are really going to be able to find our hope and our happiness apart from God. We don't need God. We don't need God to ruin our fun. If we have all these things, then we'll be happy. We're really building a new Tower of Babel. Because the Tower of Babel, the whole story behind that is that man by his own efforts is going to rise up to heaven and bring heaven down. The only difference between the original Tower of Babel and today's Tower of Babel is I think it's a cell tower of some kind. <laughs> Just saying. So we have these external, you know, these overt threats, but we have these insidious threats. Insidious meaning it's sneaking up on you, okay? Day by day that we live in, that are, that they are really, behind these things are really the dark forces of evil in the world today. See, what we have pictured here is a city that is under siege. The city is under siege because it belongs to God. That city we can look at as our church, we can look at it even as our own individual lives. The city of God is under siege because it belongs to God and its very existence is under attack by the forces and nations who rage against God. And I would just say that one of the things we need to think about the fact is that yes, there is a, a demonic world, but a lot of times these forces are working directly through cultural elements. They're working directly through human governments, okay, alive and well, and finding their home and their operation through those things. Peter, James, and Paul all wrote about, all wrote about this. They, they talked about principalities and powers. They talked about the lion that seeks to devour us. They talked about the devil that seeks to, to rage against us. And what are we told by the apostles in the New Testament, they tell us that we need to put ourselves under the Lord's protection and we need to stand firm knowing the siege is real and we will not be overcome. And I'm told to go out and fight the battle so much as stand firm. And I'll get to why we need to do that later. 
But it is, that's why we need a fortress. That's why we need God's shelter and his refuge here. And so the city is the habitation of the Most High God. And there's a picture there. You notice that every word of scripture is there for a reason. There's rivers flowing into the city of God. There's an abundant supply of water. That's what you need to withstand a siege. What do you think they do in the ancient world when they attacked a city? They cut off the water supply, cut off the food supply. You died of thirst, you died of hunger, you ate one another. I mean, it was a pretty ugly picture as we read some of the episodes of that even in the Bible. But once again, God protects us. He has this abundant supply, a hidden stream of water for us that supplies the city of God. And I want you to think about that for a moment. In the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden was watered by four different rivers. So you start at the beginning of the Bible, and you go to the end of the Bible in Genesis, and what comes out in our, the book of Revelation, excuse me, um, you go to the book of Revelation, what flows out of the throne of the Lamb of God? A river of life. What does the Psalms tell us uh, what does the Psalms open up with? They open up with the righteous person being a tree planted by a stream of water. Jesus said that, that if anybody comes to him, that it'll be like a river of life or a spring of water actually coming out of your heart, welling up within you, okay? A, a hidden source of water that supplies you and protects you the good shepherd leads us by still waters that we might drink. The right side of the river, that's what the still waters is. It's not a pond, it's, it's actually a place where the river waters run slower so that we may, may drink here. We have a river of life, according to God's word, that is flowing into our lives. But no matter what's happening on the outside, we are being nourished by the Lord, we're being protected by the Lord, being kept alive by the Lord while we're under, under siege here. Lamentations chapter 3 tells us that the steadfast love of the Lord does not cease and His mercies are new every morning. Where else do we read that? We read this right here. God will help her when the morning dawns. We're told that in Romans 14, that the Lord is able to make us stand. We will not be moved, it says here in Psalm 46. That in Isaiah 40, it says the Lord gives us strength that we will uh, be like eagles soaring about. We will we'll have renewed strength in our life. That's what the Lord is giving to his people. In an unstable world of chaos and evil, God is also our source and our sustenance that he nourishes us with things that are a stream from the spirit realm that he has has flowing into our hearts. He dwells in the midst of the city of God. He is our habitation. He rises up and helps us. A beautiful, beautiful picture for us in this. He is our fortress. And once again, when you're in a storm, it's a wise thing to run into a shelter. When you're under siege, it's really a great idea to head for a fortress. Very logical. And then we have, in verses 8 through 11, God is our Savior and our Sabbath rest. You know, when we speak of salvation and Jesus being our Savior, 
This is actually a very beautiful and multifaceted <coughs> truth that touches every dimension of our existence. But if you want to really boil down what salvation is, if you want to you know, take all the things we know about what Christ has done for us at the cross and boil that down to its very, very core. Salvation is a rescue from certain destruction and death. That's what it is. And here we have, once again, uh, in this, this last, this last uh, verse of the song, come behold the works of God and how he has brought desolations upon the earth. He makes war cease and cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and the shatters and shatters the spear and he burns the chariots with fire. Now there's many stories that this probably references uh, if you if you go throughout the you go throughout the Old Testament, go through Chronicles and all that and Isaiah. Um, there's a bunch of different times where the the foreign armies came to attack Israel and they were totally demoralized and then God intervened in a in a way that was they didn't even have to fight, you know, they come out and find all the bodies laying there in the morning where the Lord sent the angel of death or uh, some other force or even scared them, had, you know, had a supernatural uh, noise that they would hear that scared them, uh, scared the armies off and made them retreat. Point being is this, you know, is that there's probably many stories the psalmist was referenced here, but I think probably the most important story, the one that we can all use as a reference, is when Pharaoh came against Israel when they were making the exodus and he wanted to undeliver them from slavery. Pharaoh came and he, they, Israel finds themselves at the edge of the Red Sea, hills behind them, no way to retreat, Red Sea, not a whole lot of opportunity. And I, I imagine the dialogue went like this. You know, the people were, we're toast, we're all gonna die. You know, <laughs> Moses, the, Moses dialogue, God, why do you keep doing this to me? My magic walking stick is almost, you know, worn out here with all the things you've had me do. What am I supposed to do here? What's God say in the dialogue? He says, he says, I'm going to create an escape route for you that is going to be simultaneously also the route to destruction for your enemies, and you will never see these people ever again. Problem completely and permanently solved. And he did that. And so that's what ended up happening was, you know, it's just one of many examples in the scriptures for us of that thing. What was God's plan here? What was God's plan in that battle? What is God's plan in all these battles for us? Sit still and I'll do the fighting. Be still and know that I am God. Sit still, I am going to do the fighting for you. God's plan, I will do the fighting, I will defeat the enemy, just sit still because God is the beginning and the end, he is the hero of our salvation story. That's the way it is. Now let me tie this to the Sabbath rest idea as well. Because the Sabbath rest, the institution of the Sabbath in the Old Testament, the whole idea behind that was that God is our provider, he is our caregiver, and that we are not the, the sole source of our living in our lives. God supports us, and God's promise to Israel was always that there's gonna be a little extra on Friday so that you don't have to work on Saturday. And you can trust me about that. And he told them, I mean, this multiplied. You know, it was, it was such a great deal and the Israelites never took God up on it. 
you know, because they had like 50 year celebrations where like all your debts were canceled. Great time to take out a mortgage, by the way, <laughs> year before. Um, you know, they, they, had, they had these periods of time where all debts had to be forgiven, where fortunes would be restored. Every seven years you had a year off. What on earth are we doing working all the time? But God promised all these things, you know, uh, if they would be faithful, and yet they didn't take him up on that. But it's the way, the way humans are. But God, uh, God saves us, God promises, and we receive. Another way that, that uh, the Sabbath theme comes forth here, when he says, be still and know that I'm God. I think of the, the words, this is also rendered uh, by other, other translators of the Bible. Cease striving and know that I am God. And the idea of cease striving means stop your panic. It means calm down. It means don't be all stirred up with strife. It means relax. Now it doesn't say to be calm and do nothing. Because we have plenty of that. I mean, you can do, you can do some nice deep breathing exercises and calm yourself down. You can take Xanax and calm yourself down. There, you know, there's a lot of ways we can calm ourselves down, but we're not told this to calm down. We're told to know that I am God. And you know, when I think about that, that sentence, be still and know that I'm God, that works every time you repeat it. If you drop off one more word, it still works. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. It's amazing. The point is, is that it isn't just relax. It's be calm and know that I am God. Not me. I mean God. Right? Be calm and know that I'm God. That I'm going to take care of you. You know, war is, you know, this is what's being illustrated in this last verse of the song. War is but a picture, really, isn't it, of the many types of catastrophes that do threaten our lives and mar our existence. And so the, the, the call to cease striving is not a call to denial. It's not a call to make no efforts or refuse prudent measures. We all know about the, you know, we all know the story about the flood where, you know, the guy watched, you know, the rescue boats from the roof of his house while the flood was around him. And, you know, finally he ends up drowning, and he goes, God, why didn't you save me? And, you know, well, I sent three rescue boats for you. I don't know what you want, right? Uh, it, it's it's a, a picture of, yes, we, we definitely want to have prudence in our lives, but it's also a call to not choke with anxiety and live in a state of panic and make endless efforts to protect ourselves against every possible threat. Why? Because God is our Savior. And he wants us to rest in the knowledge and the certainty that we are in his hands and nothing is out of his hands, thus nothing is out of control. We do our part and God does his part. And guess whose part is more important? Whose part is more important? God does his part, we do ours. So just in closing, God is with us. He is our refuge and our fortress. And I think these are perfect thoughts to sum up our Advent season, but also to frame our thoughts for the coming year. 
Christmas celebrates what? The reality that God came and God walked among us. He rescued us from the power and the penalty of sin. And he indwells us with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord has promised he will always be with us even to the end of the age. But also, whatever storms, whatever upheavals, whatever setbacks and trials we might face in the year ahead, but also God would have us enlarge in our minds the reality that he is our refuge, that he is our fortress, that he is our strength, and he is our shield. And so let me share three ideas about how we might get this idea bigger and, and enlarged in our minds and embrace this in the year ahead. First of all, I think of the, the verse here. It says, come and behold the works of God. Think, think upon what God has done. This echoes what Paul wrote in Romans 15, 4, where he says, whatever was written in our former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The word of God is for the strength and the encouragement and is to nourish our faith. It is part of that hidden stream that nourishes the city of God. Whatever we focus upon does become enlarged in our lives. Think about that. Think about anything that you have your focus on, that becomes a bigger and bigger thought in our lives, a bigger and bigger part of our lives. And so could I encourage you in 2024, okay, maybe this make this a New Year's resolution if you'd like. I don't, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I've, I've died on the rocks of them too many times over the years. But anyway, truth be told, okay. But can I encourage you to think more about the words of Scripture than anything else in your life this next year? More than your paperback books or Netflix, more than your preferred news network or your political candidate, more than your problems or your privileges. But let God's living word actually be more enlarged in your mind in this coming year. Because there's a lot of things that compete for our attention. And man, you get your eyes off here or off over there, and you're either going to be elated or you're going to be defeated, but you're probably not going to be living in reality. As I saw on the banner, uh, as I pulled in the parking lot, I said, truth spoken here. And I thought, boy, that's a high order for me today. I hope I get it all right. <laughs> but in all reality, yes, let's make truth our priority in 2024. Amen. Let's Amen. speak it. Let's think about it. Let's live it. And let's let it live in our hearts. Second of all, just that reminder that God is a very present help in trouble. And I, once again, I want to echo something out of the New Testament to you, where in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, he says, Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, so that in the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon him, because he cares for you. Now I want you to think about that. What is the proper place to store your cares and your troubles? Where is the proper place to store them? Is it in your heart? Is that the right place to store it? The answer is no. Okay? Don't store it in your heart. Don't store it in your mind. Don't store it in your gut. Cast your cares upon the Lord. That's actually a way of worshiping the Lord, if you think about it. Because you're, you're humbling yourself before the Lord. You're saying, God, 
I have to give you my problems, they're bigger than me. I can't carry this by myself. That actually is worshipful and exalting to the Lord. That's not troubling to the Lord to hear about your problems, okay? But once again, uh, putting it in, your, in God's hands instead of your heart and knowing that he is your sustainer and your protector and your helper, uh, he delights in helping those who humbly ask him. So talk to him in 2024. Talk to God more about your problems than to anybody else. Okay? Word of the Lord more than anything else. Talk to God about your problems more than anything else. And then lastly, I would just point out the whole thing about the streams that make glad the city of God. In the words of Jesus in John chapter 7, 37, says, On the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now you know, I've lived here a long time, and I know about the old Southern Oregon proverb that says that if you move your outhouse and your well dries up, you probably made a mistake. <laughs> it's a really gross thought, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, the unfortunate disposition of many of us is the fact that we would prefer to dig our own well. We would prefer to dig our own well rather than tap into the Lord's well. You know, he promises us a well with inside of us, but we'd rather dig our own well of happiness. And what do we do when we do that? We end up drinking sewer water, basically. So I have a preference. Would you like the clean, refreshing water of God's Spirit in your life, or would you like sewer water? You know, I mean, it's not really much of a contest, but the fact of the matter is, is that we have a natural preference. But let me ask you something. Do you know the Lord? Do you have a thirst for Him? Because he has a desire to quench your thirst. Are you thirsty? If you're thirsty and you're not finding that thirst satisfied in your life, have you invited Jesus into your heart, into your life to be your Savior, and to turn to him and ask him to be that source of life for you? I hope you have. But I want to encourage you, if you have not done that, once again, as we move into the next, next year, Let's make Jesus our Lord and our Savior and invite him in as a welcome guest into our hearts, okay? No shame in that. Actually, more shame drinking sewer water. <laughs> okay, that's my message. That's my truth I want to speak here today. Let's pray together, shall we? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you once again for your beautiful words to us. We do pray for the year ahead, knowing that we know nothing of what's ahead for us, but we know that you know all things and all things in your hands. And so we entrust ourselves to you, and once again, as you have faithfully brought us through this year, would you faithfully and gloriously bring us through the next year. We thank you for your provision, for your love, for your care, God. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's a good way to start the new year off, isn't it? Yes. Amen, yeah. Hey, before we take our offering, I'd like to pray 
uh, for Lenora. Um, Lenora went up to Portland to get a uh, assessment of her um, conditions in her guts, and they said it could be very dangerous to operate and it could be very dangerous to not operate. So, um, can you just come up, Lenora? If you guys would just pray with me. Yeah. Just reach out to Lenora, would you? So, Father in heaven, we do pray for Lenora that you would bless her this day, that you would heal her from whatever it is that's bothering her in her stomach area and in her uh, intestines, etc. And that, Father, that when she goes back up to the doctor, he will uh, see a miracle has been done, Lord. You are a miracle-working God, Lord, and I think you want us to ask you for miracles because it just is just such a wonderful thing to receive from you. So, Father, bless her, bless her family. And Lord God, we just ask your will be done, but our, our prayer would lend toward you healing her, Lord. Yes. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you love Lenora, say amen, would you? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Hey, if we can have the guys come forward, we'll take our offering for the Benevolent Fund. And again, this is just a fund that uh, if you happen to have some change in your pocket, this is just a fund that we uh, put together for people that need help. We have uh, helped people with their car payment. We've helped people buy some food. We've helped people with um, rent payments, etc. So um, we just appreciate, you know, whatever. And what's interesting is that we've actually had people that have given to the fund that ended up needing the fund. So, um, yeah. So, Father in heaven, we do pray that you'll bless this offering, Lord, and that we can use it for your glory, that you'll increase it. And we thank you, Lord God, for the message that you've given us through Pastor Chris and and Lord God, we just pray that you'll help us to take it to heart and to live it out, Lord, and not to be just talkers, but to be walkers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
stand your feet. Look in your praise course book number 35. It goes right along with this morning's message from Pastor Chris. We're going to sing that chorus to be dismissed. Page 35 in your praise course book. I shall not be moved. And uh, be sure to catch them before they can get out of here. They took it serious this morning. Pack the pew. And, uh, didn't, you just, didn't you just love hearing from Pastor Chris? Yes. So let's sing this together before we be dismissed. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the water.